everybody, and welcome to the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Joining me today is Jeff Johnson, as always, my co-host, producer, and wonderful friend. This is episode 15. Our guest is Joe Wolverton. He is the author of What Degree of Madness? Madison's Method to Make America States Again. We love the F word. The F word of the day is federalism. We're going to explain how that is different from nationalism. We're going to also cover the issues of iconoclasm. Uh, we have some violence going on in uh, my area out here in Utah. I like to have a local flair, uh, and we'll get into that and tie that in with uh, the benefits of self-education, getting the government out of education, uh, or getting yourself out of government education. That's mm -hmm. a form of secession, personal secession, as well as, let's see, uh, we're going to discuss, Joe is also a reformed or recovering attorney, as am I. And all attorneys have to study, or attorney hopeful candidates, law students, have to study con law to be distinguished from constitutional history. I took a bar exam, not bar exam, but my, my con law final had a question on it about a deadly disease, highly <laughs> contagious, and forced vaccinations. We're going to touch on that. And you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com. Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show, PolitiPrep podcasts also on Facebook. If you're interested in some of our information regarding preparedness in general, go over to the Red Hot Chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y, Prepper, also on Facebook. If you're not hearing us live on the uh, Facebook live feed, you can hear us on Anchor FM. They have us, I believe, on seven platforms, including Spotify, the Google Play Store, and um, and the Apple platforms as well. When you go over there, please like, rate the apps, share. That will direct more traffic over to us. And that means we can actually make some money doing this. You can also read my writings, my published articles, as well as my blogs over at SuzanneCSherman.com. There's also a donate button there if you want to support us directly. Uh, you can do that on Anchor FM as well as on my website uh, to PayPal. We are looking to getting a, a greater reach here that's going to take better equipment and also paying for some broadcasting services. That being said, Joe, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I love being on your show. I was telling you before, it's so nice to be on a show where I don't have to explain the basic principles of liberty to people where I can say things people are like, yes, that makes sense. I mean, I might say things people don't agree with even on my side. Uh, of the of the arguments, but at least they understand what I'm talking about. Most shows I go on and I get those looks like, what are you talking? Because just people don't understand liberty anymore. It's not something that we've had for century now. So, well, and I think that the Constitution, as well known of a document as it is, is the most misunderstood document. So you have people demanding their constitutional rights that have absolutely no understanding of the limits to what they seek. For instance, I have my second amendment rights that applies to everybody, but they refuse to understand that now all of a sudden they want the immigration laws to also come from Washington, DC, the very entity that they refuse to trust with their firearms laws. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going a little bit off topic here, but that's really uh, in a nutshell, what it means to be intellectually consistent. You have to right. take what is good about federalism as well as what might not be so good on first thought, but realize, you know what, if we had adhered to, or not we, I don't like to conflate government with we as a person or me myself, but if, if the government had res had respected its constitutional restraints, uh, the people would not be fighting. Every single social issue would not be a life or death national right. significance. Fair to say? Very fair to say. And that's ultimately uh, when people, when I talk about people, I tell them that, you know, they say, when do you think the United States will or the Constitution will finally not be enforced? I said, it hasn't been enforced since the 14th <laughs> Amendment. Uh, and I said, the uh, the engrave the engraving on the tombstone is no state shall. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you like to talk about a little incident involving whiskey and farmers in Washington when we talk about that. I like to say the ink wasn't even dry on the holy parchment. Want to run with that one for a second, Jeff? Before I two blabbermouth <laughs> sure. lawyers right. get let me, rolling, let, listen, let me put my uh, pistol down so I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> so I'm not down. cleaning my pistol while I'm talking. I, I, it's a private joke, folks. So anyway, Jeff knows that 
two blabbering lawyers get on, he's going to have to elbow his way into the conversation, as I'm proving right now. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's really interesting that the ink was barely dry. Uh, Washington became president in, what, uh, 1789. And by within three or four years of that, he's sending federal troops at the behest of Hamilton, uh, the Hamilton that wanted a, uh, a national government, a government that had a veto over the states. Uh, and that's what was discussed at the Philadelphia Convention and what was roundly uh, voted down every time that idea was brought up. So here we have uh, Washington um, sending troops without the request of the governor or the legislature of Pennsylvania. So uh, in that vein, it is unconstitutional, just as I fought about I fought with people about uh, Chaz or CHOP or whatever the heck it was at the end there. Uh, people saying, oh, send in the National Guard, send in the National Guard. No, it, you you need the governor or you, or you need the legislature to say, hey, we can't handle this anymore. Send some federal troops in here to put down this insurrection. Then the federal government well, can do it. Bob, or Joe, excuse me, go ahead. No, I mean, uh, this is my thing. Why do we always look to government? If these are private people that took over Chaz, CHOP, whatever, so if it means that much to you, get your own gun and go challenge their control. Why are we constantly looking for someone else to sort out our problems? If it means if the center of that town means so much to you and they're not a, officials, they're just people who took over, get your boys, get your posse together and go challenge them. Where were the no, property we owners? I mean, these people right. didn't come, these exactly. people didn't come together, and these weren't people on a cul-de-sac, a gated community that said we are declaring our own sovereignty. They no, took people's exactly. property over. I wonder where are the property owners defending their rights? Well, yeah, they're defending their property. I'll tell you where they're living and doing business in Seattle. I am sure these are the most anti-gun people you'd ever want to imagine. And tying back to what Jeff said, I want to just because this, and I'm going to address John's question in a moment, but what, what happened here in the Whiskey Rebellion, and I've talked, I'm not going to bring him into it, but a very prominent historian, one we all know, author of many books. I had this conversation with him, and he said, look, Hamilton understood that the, that the new government now needed to have credibility with Europe so they could get credit, financial credit. They had to show that the United States government was serious when it came to collecting a federal tax. Hamilton was a general. He was a pragmatist. So we, here we have, before the ink was dry and the holy parchment, pragmatics, emergency situations being used to justify an abandonment of the government restraint. It has failed from the very beginning. John is asking, in the 10 years I've been a student of liberty, I don't think I've ever heard there was never a civil war. Could you explain? I'd be happy to. Well, first of all, a civil war is when two or more factions are fighting, competing over control of a specific geopolitical entity. Joe, why don't you explain why that doesn't apply to the civil war or the war against Southern independence? Right, because the South never tried to take over in, in a very simple explanation that i give students is like you, you gave the perfect definition so the south never tried to take over the government of the united states and replace it with their own people they simply said we're out we're walking away we're we're, we're not we're not going to fight you for control we just want to be left alone that's not a civil war and the moment that Abraham Lincoln sent troops down to South Carolina. That simply became a war between two parties, not over the government, but just a war of aggression, a war of conquest on the part of Lincoln, and a war, a defensive war, trying to uh, protect their sovereignty on the part of uh, South Carolina and the other states eventually. So, yeah, the question is, did South Carolina or any other state ever try to oust Lincoln or or set up a, a government in his place? Never. There is no civil war. That's it. Yeah, the other thing, too, is um, I lost my train of thought on that, was um, I want to answer Kelly's question, too. If a governor chooses to let a communist like uh, takeover occur in the cities, 
then the federal government, specifically the president, has no constitutional authority to secure that state. At this point, what we're seeing is criminal behavior within a state that the state, unless it gets out of control, can call in the National Guard or request that the National Guard be called in, however that works. The point being made, the National Guard in itself was a takeover, federal takeover of the state militias. You want to run with that, Joe? Uh, yeah, the 1990 perfect versus United States, it, uh, the Supreme Court, not the supreme law of the land, look it up, Article 6, but the Supreme Court said, well, now the president has control of all the state militias and he decides when they should be called out and why. Um, but my again, why are we always looking to someone else to solve our problem? Uh, I forgot the lady's name. Was it... The lady who just had the question, Kelly. If there's Kelly, if there's a if there are communists taking over your your city, um, why why do you look to the governor? Why don't the Republicans with a small R or the Liberty Lovers, whatever you want to call them, the conservatives, constitutionalists, why don't y'all go down there and challenge them? Why is it somebody please solve my problem for me, and I want the government to do it? Stop with that stuff, man. We you know, still have the queen on our money if that's yeah. who our fathers had been. Look what happened, though, to that couple that did defend their own property on their own. Yep. They have been castigated across the Internet. The memes, the mocking, oh, yeah. the ridicule. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to get into the firearm issues and you know whether or not tactically they did the right thing. But these people did defend their property, and they're being mocked around the world. And the point I wanted to make also was calling what happened in the 1860s, a civil war, would be the same as calling uh, the United States or America's war for independence a civil war. Right. It's not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it makes yeah, no sense for either one. Washington never suggested, or Hamilton, or Madison, or Jefferson, no one ever said, hey, if this thing starts going well, let's sail across to London and yeah. depose the king. It was simply, leave us alone. Yeah, we didn't start deposing foreign leaders till we got a little bit more That's mature right. as a That's nation. Right. Pardon my friend. I don't to like grow to, into it. Yeah, I don't like to use the N word. Also, the war, I, I don't like the, the name the war against the war between the states. This was a war nope. against the federal government and the sovereign and independent states who left the union as they had every legal right to do so. That's right. Yep. That's it was just a. Uh, uh, a war of conquest on the part of the North because they knew that uh, they would be in a world of hurt without the money from the South. Speaking from some of this unrest, go ahead, Jeff, go ahead. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I kind of want to jump in here because I wanted yeah. to bring it. This brought this up perfectly. It's very interesting that when you look at what's going on, the Marxists are bold and decisive and are going to do something. We and all these people, everyone's all upset about them ha protesting in the streets and doing uh, damage to uh, private property. Yet, at the same time, conservatives were timid and compliant to government. And we're going to, we're going to, oh, oh, please, please put a stop to this when we could. And if, if you live there in Seattle and you have property in Chaz, Chop, whatever the heck it is, you defend your own damn property. That come on, stop being so timid and compliant to government. Get grow a set and do something about it. And here's what really pisses me off about this: the Marxists, they're out in the streets. Show me where are the where are the uh, cons uh, conservatives, quote unquote, constitutionalists, quote unquote, people that are liberty minded, they're out in the street, demanding freedom and liberty. They're not there. So what is government doing? They're they're siding with the Marxists. The Marxists are going to get everything they want. And because why? Because well, people that want liberty are too darn timid to get out there and do something about it. We had the Boston Tea Party. They destroyed private property in Boston. In Annapolis, they burnt to the ground, well, to the water line, the Peggy Stewart. Come on, get a, let, get a little founding fervor. Right? I mean, are we just going to just sit back and let it all die with a whimper and just sit back and watch it? I think what we have to do is take into consideration the disparity of the reactions depending on who the protesting parties are. So I submit to you, consider what happened to the Bundy family when they tried to assert their um, the federal government's lack of authority 
over their grazing rights. There's no constitutional. I, if you can find grazing and cattle and grass and plains in the Constitution, let me know in Article 1, Section well, 8. I don't think it's there. There's a, right. There's a very specific method provided in the Constitution for the federal government to uh, obtain control of land within the state. And the, the first, the threshold requirement is that it be for a military purpose. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, ask ask Lavoie Finnicum how it worked out standing up to the feds. Look at the people oh, yeah. at Malor. Look what happened to the Bundy family. Uh, they've been persecuted. I went to a meeting out here in uh, Education Day that Ben McClintock put on and listened to Ammon Bundy and listened to how he was imprisoned for two years. Boy, was Utah safer with that guy off the streets. You know, uh, Ruby Ridge, uh, Waco. We know what happens when people that aren't Marxists stand up to the government. They get murdered. So I well, can and why this happens. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Well, because the when Marxists do it, they're propelling the government forward, the government that is in control now. Right. When someone like you or I or Jeff does it, we're taking back control. When the Marxists do it, the Marxists aren't taking control. They're giving more control. Well, who's going to argue... No government's going to fight. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So why doesn't the government fire on these people? Because they're allies. Yeah. Why do they kill Lavoie Finnicum? Mm -hmm. Because Lavoie Finnicum actually would do something to change things. Hey, Definitely. Jeff, can you put up? Can, oh, go ahead. And then if you could put up Mike Murray's uh, comment, please. I'll have to go uh, back and look I, for it. Uh, it's right above Greg's. Mike, all right, I'll find ahead. it in a second. And you, yeah. I, I, I want to address what Joe just said. You're absolutely correct. The reason why they'll do nothing to stop the Marxists is because our government is a Marxist. We have a communist uh, government now. It, mm -hmm. you, can, you can celebrate the 4th of July all you wish and say you're free, but you're not. We are a Marxist communist country. And what's happening now with the Federal Reserve and these trillions of dollars they're printing, Why? where's all that money going? They're buying stocks in the market. Why do you think the market's going up when there's millions and millions of people out of work? Businesses are doing nothing. You go to a car lot, any car lot, and look for cars. See how many cars are left on that lot. There's not very many because no one's producing them. Try, go to a gun shop and try to buy, mm -hmm. find a gun. There's not that many there. Why? Because they're not producing, because nothing's being done anymore. There's no work being done because the communists have stopped all economic uh Anything that's economic has been stopped. And so here we are. The government's in bed with these Marxists because that's the direction they're going. They want to take total control. And before long, we will be Venezuela. They'll own everything. Sorry. Let me go find this. Who was it again? Oh, Mike. It says they were told to leave their home and let the mob have it. We're not coming to help you. So do you think that they will protect you? Let me share with you now a story because this came to my area in, in – um, Provo. I'm about an hour or two away from Provo. Ben McClintock sent me a message and, or no, Brian Hyde actually sent me a message and said, well, I guess I have to have a security detail now just to go to the store. Well, it turned out that there was a protest, uh, again, stemming from the uh, George Floyd murder that uh, is, it, it took place again in Provo. And here's somebody that is driving in his car and he was shot. A 60 year old man, according to police, was not participating he was shot while trying to drive through his hometown. The cell phone video only captured the portion of the incident that showed the driver accelerating through a crowd of protesters while many people uh, falling to the ground. The man was behind the wheel of his white SUV on University Avenue, I've driven on that road, attempted to turn when the protesters began crowding the vehicle. Now, he was calling for help. The dispatcher said, this is a sanctioned event. We can't help you. We suggest you voice your or express your frustration with City Hall. <laughs> a man is shot asking for help. We, ex we suggest you express your frustration to City Hall. Now, look at the media spin on stories like this. Somebody else tried to drive through a crowd. Extremists plow through crowd of protesters. Who is the extremist? Who is the protester? It depends on your bias. And we know what the bias in the media spin, which direction that leads to. 
So those of us that try to defend our property, our liberty, our very damn lives are going to be castigated in the court of public opinion, thanks to an ignorant media and thanks to the ignorant masses that tune to them. That's why we try to get people to tune into this show and shows like this one. We'll tell you the truth. We're not going to spew the government garbage. We're going to take a quick break and come back and I'm going to share a story uh, related one about Ogden and then we're going to uh, address these a little bit more. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is Joe Wolverton, the author of What Degree of Madness? Madison's Method to Make America States Again. We'll tell you how to get that. I believe it's also on my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. is an Amazon affiliate link. We were sharing a story about what was happening in Provo. A man was shot while trying to just mind his own business and was driving down the street and he was his car was was surrounded and he was shot. Now, out of Ogden, which is north of Salt Lake City, uh, men are accused of going up to people's private homes and burning their flags. Police arrested two men who allegedly went on vandalism spree that included burning flags and painting graffiti. Now, this is not protesting, folks. This is going on people's private property and causing harm. Now what's going to happen if you defend your private property or you're out and you confront some of these people and violence erupts? What rights do you have as a property owner? And, you know, I have defended flag burning. I think it's a stupid thing to do. It's a form of expression, but I defend it insofar it is your own personal flag. Destroying mm -hmm. others' property is never acceptable under any protests, pretexts. I don't care. If it's a statue, I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. Go ahead, Joe, Jeff, I'll let you win. I, I just, the, the thing that always occurs to me is would, and the question I ask people, you know, would Sam Adams have called the police? No, Sam Adams would have shot because, and it wouldn't have been him being violent or him being, anxious to you know cap somebody it would have been this is my property and i have an obligation to myself and my posterity to protect this property of mine it is sacred it is sacrosanct but today we've become so slavish so obedient that if someone breaks into your house if someone destroys your property your first response is call a stranger paid with your stolen money to defend you. He has no obligation, first of all, the Supreme Court says. Second, what motivation does a stranger have to put himself in danger to come defend you? And don't tell me that they're a hero for placing their lives on the line. If a cop comes to my house because I call him, if he gets That's there timely, job. well, exactly. If he gets here timely, the best we can say is he's a mildly appropriately functioning bureaucrat yeah <laughs> you did what you're paid to do it's no different than if i go to a, a government office and the clerk has filed all the files alphabetically correct they're the same don't call yourself a hero a hero is when you don't get paid to do it when you're paid with stolen money that's not a hero and but again it's our slavishness susan why would we ever I hear conservatives tell me, well, good luck, Joe, with your privatization of police. Don't call the police when a crackhead breaks in your house and tries to kill you. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't call. That's what I tell her. I'm like, I told this lady, I don't I don't call 911. I call 9mm. Yeah. I, I have one I'm right on my side I'm, right now. I mean, I'm out in the back country. We have we have backhoes and coyotes. Uh, oh. Mike says, yeah, it took somebody shooting at the vehicle before he drove through a mob of protesters before the law enforcement stepped in. And that's exactly correct. Go ahead, Jeff. I, I want to just go a different direction with this. I want to go back to kind of uh, the other show on this, uh, the Red Hot Chili Prepper. Listen to that on uh, Anchor FM. Uh, be the gray man. This, the, the, this guy's first mistake, and I'm not, it's not this guy's fault. Don't take that as being what I'm saying here. But his first mistake was getting into that situation in the first place. <laughs> OPSEC and PERSEC. He didn't use good OPSEC and PERSEC. He should not have put himself in that situation. If he saw that crowd a block away, he should have backed up and gone a different direction. 
don't put yourself in these situations in the first place. But once he was in that situation, uh, he should have extricated himself as quickly as possible. By dr driving slowly and giving this guy an opportunity to shoot him, uh, he made a second mistake. If you're in that situation and you feel threatened, put your foot on the gas and get out of there. If they if you run someone over, deal with it later. You're gonna the cops are gonna be there at that point, but you get yourself out of that situation as yeah. quickly as you can. So I, that's just, different. That's a different show, but I needed to say that. Well, I want to reference that show. The last episode we did was that episode seven, Jeff, the Red Hot Chili Prepper. We talked about smartphones in a survival situation. That's also available uh, in the article I wrote for Survival Dispatch. You can go check out their website. Go to the Insider Magazine and it's technology and survival. And one thing I said in these times of unrest, you know what? Get on your get on your uh, either ways or these live time um, <clears throat> mapping and navigation apps, whichever one you use. Many of them will show incidents or or traffic jams issues in red, regardless of what it is. And and if you see that, get out of the area and just avoid it altogether. I'm actually going to California. My son's going out there to race in the near future. And he's taking some go-karts back with him and he's going to drive. I said, well, if you're driving, guess what? You're not going alone. He's a 21-year-old white boy and he is fodder for these, you know, animals. And I'm not picking any color. You're out there jumping no. on people's cars and hurting them. You are an animal. In fact, you yeah. are, you are, you're, that's disrespectful to animals. I'm sorry. But I said, <laughs> we will be going to California together and we will both be armed. And none of that California BS where the gun and the ammo are locked in separate compartments. They are locked, loaded, ready to go. I will not put up with that. And I said, we're also taking the truck. It has a cattle guard on the front. And if we have to effectively clear ourselves from any situation that we did not seek out, we will do so. We will defend ourselves. The other thing, going back to people, going up to people's homes. Somebody can come and light a flag on your house. That could threaten to burn your entire house down. About calling the police, Joe says, why do people think that they have to call the police? My firearms yeah. instructor, Louis Auerbuck, who worked with the late, great Colonel Cooper, actually, they're both late, great now, God rest them both. Louis said, we took a pistol tactics class and we practice home invasions. We practice a scenario with hostages. Louis said, they have your kid and he put his chin like to a radio and he sees a guy with a gun to your kid's head, they're gonna back out slowly and call in the negotiator. And that's when he said, it's up to you. And you damn well pra better practice those headshots, folks. We have a code, you know, we're gonna just digress into a little bit of how to deal with this unrest and people coming to your homes. They're, they're threatening to come to communities now. Somebody has your home, you're in your home, on your property, they have somebody in your family member have a keyword so people don't know what you're about to do, but the person they might be holding drops to their knees and gives you a clear shot. This is why I say don't always assume a shotgun is your best home defense weapon. You might need to shoot and really have that target acquired and be very accurate. Something to think about in these times. So let's turn our attention a little bit to iconoclasm. We're talking about destroying flags. Um, when they started after the Emmanuel, uh, Mother Emmanuel shooting, they went all out. I think, I think the powers that be were just waiting. These nefarious characters, you know, on the left, the neo-Marxists were waiting for their opportunity. Never mind. now, Dylan Roof had been pictured also with American flags. They saw that picture of the Virginia battle flag. It was not the Confederate flag. It was not the flag that flew over slavery, slavery, the stars and stripes. <laughs> that one did. That one did. But this one, because Southern history, if studied, will reveal what a farce the present government and system is we have today. This is why they want to bury it. This same historian and I that I mentioned earlier had a very animated conversation because, again, this person's more pragmatic and says, well, I know people that, you know, suffered from racism and they were really hurt by that flag. I said, tough poop, get over it. Because when you capitulate, if, if they capitulate on this one issue, it is never going to stop. I was right. Look at where well, we are now. This is an ancient uh, practice. Uh, the Latins called it damnatio memoriae, meaning to curse the memory. And if you, you can read of, of this in any of the ancient histories of Greece, Greece Rome, and Egypt, 
uh, Damnatio Memoriae. And what they would do, the purpose of it was, when I became in power, I want to get rid of all the monuments of those who came before me so that future generations will never even know to question the establishment's version of history. It's exactly like you said. Have you seen that movie, The History Boys? I have not. Have you guys seen? Okay, The History Boys. You should look it up. It's a, I'm it's a write it down. great movie. You write it down. It's it's a really good, James Corden, it's his first thing that he ever did. It's, it's really good. So anyway, in this movie, the boys, it's in a English uh, high school, uh, boys school. They're all sitting around and they're standing at one of these uh, monuments to World War II. And the teacher asked them, why do we have this monument? And the boys say, oh, so that we never forget. And the teacher says, no, it's so that we never remember. <laughs> because if we have a monument that says these people died for liberty and all of this happened, we'll never question. And the teacher says, why? Did, did England have a role to play in this starting and all of this? So in our case, lest ye remember, it's exactly like you said, Suzanne, if you get rid of all the Robert E. Lee statues, all the statues of any Southern general, the generation that comes up, there won't have been any statues. They won't have a way to say, what were these, even if it's bad, right? They won't even have the question, why is there a statue to Robert E. Lee? Let's look it up, mm -hmm. right? That will never happen. And so the establishment's version of history is accepted as true. And that's been done for 3,000 years. Like I say, damnatio memoriae, Google it. And you'll see it's been done all throughout history. Take down the monuments. And what you do is you erase cultural memory. And it makes it where no one can ever say, what was Robert E. Lee doing? What was his purpose? Robert E. Lee never existed now. For, yeah. for our grandchildren, they couldn't look out and know that that happened. And I'm not in favor of statues on government property. I think you should put them on private, protect it. It's on your private property. Someone comes to tear it down. <clears throat> we're going to we're gonna have a discussion about that. But damnatio memoria, get rid of it. Curse the memory. Kids grow up never knowing. All they know is Lincoln freed the slaves. Don't even mention Robert. You don't need to mention him. You know. Right? taking um <coughs> excuse me um <clears throat> recent uh arguments against common core they're blaming you know a lot of that for the dumbing down of students but i tell you what back before electricity when i was small i first heard the first time i heard the name lincoln my grandfather said <coughs> i beg your pardon my grandfather said don't you know who he was i was about five years old he freed the slaves now my grandfather was a world war ii veteran he was a very prominent uh, surgeon in California, and uh, that was the history he was taught. Now, on um, 1976, I remember when we had a big, you know, Fourth of July event at my parents' house, and it was like this was the birth, this was the day our country was born. That's what my dad was taught. That's what I had first heard. And the problem mm -hmm. is when when people take down these monuments, we just assume there's almost like a collective a collective pool of incorrect knowledge. We just, we can't really say where we got this information from. It's just kind of there, kind of like wild yeast for those of you that make your own sourdough mm -hmm. starters. It's just there. We're not really sure where it comes from. And here's the problem when people say, well, <clears throat> we need to, now these are, the, these are the ones that regretfully defend keeping these monuments of the Confederate generals up. Well, we need to keep them up so we never make that same mistake again. The mistake now being slavery, which further obfuscates the message. So again, this is not about never having slavery again. Thanks to Hillary Clinton, by the way, and the Obama administration, slavery is flourishing once again in Libya. A couple of years ago, you could go buy a human being for 400 bucks. Thanks for that one, That's right. progressives. So <clears throat> what they say is, we want to, they, they, they hide further behind the slavery message, but never get into the concept right. of, this is what Carl Jones said to me, and he, he turned me around. I was a Lincoln-loving nationalist slob, and he said, let me ask you this, and now he appealed to my lawyerly instincts. Why 
was Jefferson Davis never tried. That fixed it for me. Why? Because defense counsel would have done their research and said, hey, if I look at the ratification records from the conventions here, Virginia, um, New York, and Rhode Island all expressly, res expressly reserved the right to leave mm -hmm. this compact should it no longer suit them. This is a this was a principle that goes back to the Declaration of Independence. Just government derives its powers from the consent of the governed. When that reservation was accepted, it applied because of the equal footing doctrine to every state that joins the union at the time and henceforth. What does this mean? It means that the CSA was completely within their legal right to leave, it would have shown that the wrong side was the victor who wrote history now. Go ahead, Joe. Well, this is the, the analogy that I give about the so-called civil war. And I say that because if I say the war for Southern independence, people roll their eyes. So let's just say the so-called civil war. What, it, what happened was you had, I don't know, 26, uh, 25 people in a room who had gotten together and joined a club sometime before. Turns out that 13 of the people in the room were smokers and they smoked all the time, whenever they wanted to. The other people in the room who had joined the club years ago with them said, you know what? We don't really like your smoking. We hate your smoking. In fact, we're gonna charge you extra dues because you smoke. And the smokers said, fine, then we're leaving the club. Now. If that were the case, and you, you know how to replace smoking with slavery, when the South left, wouldn't all those northern abolitionists cheered because their country was finally free of slavery? Wouldn't they have cheered? Why then did those people, why did they go out in the hall and drag the smokers back in the room? Because what they had the habit of doing over these years that they were in the same club is ordering lunch together and they found out that they could have a really good lunch when all of them paid because those 13 smokers also were rich but when the 13 smokers left now they couldn't get a good lunch and they're like mm, bring the smokers back in but don't let so them what smoke. was it don't <laughs> there you go but make it where they can't smoke right and so that's what the so-called civil war was. It was all about the money. It was all about we can force them to do things if we have the power. Because if it were about slavery, Suzanne, the minute all the slave states would have said, we're out, the abolitionists up north would have had a party, not an invasion. And, you know, this is just the typical Marxist mentality is, not only do we not want it here, and do we not want to control that, oh, well. uh, we, we want to control what you're doing way over there, regardless of where it is. And there's no safe haven, particularly if we are one nation indivisible. So, right. And had there been no slavery, would Lincoln have invaded South Carolina? That answers the whole question. Mm -hmm. Answer, yes. It's, you cannot argue. It's inarguably yes, because read his first inaugural. He goes off for 10 minutes at the top. I don't care about slavery. I don't have the authority to do anything about slavery. Wouldn't if I, he says, if I had the authority, I wouldn't do anything about slavery. I don't care. But if you don't pay your imposts and your taxes, then there will be blood and violence. Yeah, we'll kill you for money, but you can keep your slaves. Ha there you go. And I ask people who, when they when they say that the Emancipation Proclamation freed all the slaves, I said, then please explain the 100-day window where they could keep their slaves. If they, the smokers could keep their smokes if they kept paying. Eventually, we'll take their smokes away, but not now. Right now, we just need your That's money. Right. Would they have done anything about slavery had South Carolina paid up? No. No. Lincoln, and their hero, their hero, Lincoln. Read people, read the fourth debate with Stephen Douglas, read the first inaugural before you step into the octagon with me about Abrahamus Maximus. Don't even, <laughs> right? That dude was bloodthirsty. Okay. Absolutely. And first of all, don't come at me with your God chose him BS. 
You know who I'm talking. I'm talking to you. Okay. You know who you are, Mr. Lincoln Hypothesis. All right. God, God chose him. That's not the God I worship because the God I worship doesn't choose men like that. Okay. God of locusts, that, apparently. <laughs> he mocked. Read the book. There's even pro Lincoln biographies that record how when his parents would come home from church, he would mock their religion. This was but also, of course God chosen. This was also a man that they they don't like to mention that said he really didn't care. He would save he would save the Union even if he yeah. couldn't free any of the slaves. He also felt that they shouldn't be able to testify on a on a, serve on a jury, testify against white men. Uh, they shouldn't be a, uh, able to marry white people. He also wanted them gone till oh, the yeah. last day. They Oof. found they found a letter that said towards the end that he was still hoping to colonize them. Meaning that that emancipation. Yeah. yeah. So I'll free them. But then that means now that they're nobody's property, I can get rid of them because well, we please. Well, they portray themselves as abolitionists in the uh, in the one thing where they say we refuse to let slavery spread into the states of the West. Oh, yeah. That's all that gets told in the history books. Read the second paragraph. I do this in, when I teach people and their minds just blow. You read, read the second paragraph. Second paragraph is so that we don't have the filthy Negroes mixing with the good white folk. That's exactly why they didn't want slavery in the free territories. By the way, free blacks could not emigrate to um, Illinois. There's a great article by the Abbeville Institute uh, about white supremacy and that it was not just a Southern, you know, honestly, I am afraid to post it on Farcebook for the reason, the language that was in there, not because of what the dirty, racist, filthy Southerners said, but the dirty, filthy, racist Northerners said, the politicians. I'll post it in the comments on on the show. Uh, but I'm not going to post it separately because the Facebook uh, uh, community standards will call me out for quoting the racists who happen to be from the North. Well, the thing I explain the Emancipation Proclamation to my students is, let's read it. First of all, let's not drink downstream. We got, we can look it up. Let's read it together. <clears throat> yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln freed the slaves in the only places he had no authority to do it. That's like me going to my neighbor, tell it, knocking on the door and telling the kids, hey, guys, you're, you have no curfew anymore. You yeah. can come and go as you please. Are, if they come back after curfew, is, is dad still going to punish them? Yup. Why? Because I had no authority to do it. That's the Emancipation Proclamation. Hey, guys, you have no curfew. Yeah, but you don't have any authority here. Yeah, but look how good I am. I freed also- also, he the, uh, the 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 Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to uh, slaves in areas in the South under federal control. Let's turn now, um, after we take a brief moment, to thank our uh, generous uh, music donators, uh, Roxanne, for letting us use "I Love Their Song" for the intro to the show. We'll be right back. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Wasatch Report. Once again, Joe Wolverton, author of What Degree of Madness? Madison's uh, Method to Make America States Again. That's a long title, but it's a great, great book. And where we left off, we're talking about a lot of the obfuscation of the truth with regards to the reputation of Linkus Maximus. I love that one. And uh, I want to turn to, we, we alluded to this earlier in the show about why lawyers, Joe is also a recovering attorney like myself, wants to talk about why lawyers are such um, an inappropriate source for under, understanding the constitution. If you go to my website, SuzanneCSherman.com and go to Suzanne's articles, you can find one called The Problem with Lawyers in the Constitution. Doug Livingston personally asked me to write that. 
for the Abbeville Institute. And when Don Livingston asks you to write an article, you write the article. Mm -hmm. So I was delighted when he said it was splendid. And what he talked about and what we what we mentioned in that article was lawyers are taught to pretty much ignore the Tenth Amendment. In fact, when we are studying for the bar exam, the review courses will coach you when you take the multiple choice section. If you are given an option between choosing between the 14th Amendment and the 10th Amendment, you don't even need to read the fact pattern. That's a gimme. Just answer the 14th Amendment. According to constitutional history, you will be wrong. But if you answer according to constitutional history, you will be wrong. So you need to answer con law. And we're going to, I'm going to give you an example of this. And I should, I didn't even include this on that in that essay. But here's what was asked of me in my class on one of the, on the final exam for con law. It was a fact pattern involving, get this, a deadly disease, a virus, highly communicable. What is the role of government going to play in answering this threat, this pandemic? I had a discussion with Jeff and I had this discussion with Mike Meharry when we were in Tennessee, in Columbia, Tennessee, we're all together. And Mike asked a great question. How does a free society deal with such a threat? We really don't have the answers and there are very different opinions, but is there one, one solid answer that works for everybody? No, there's not going to be. So in this question, what we had to evaluate was the deadliness of the disease, how quickly it could spread, lack of treatment, everything set you up to come to the only logical conclusion that clearly the government, and I'm putting that in air quotes for those that can't see it, had the obligation to require mandatory vaccinations under these circumstances. And here's the thing in law school, when you answer these questions and have these discussions, notice how I said government, singular, not governments. The implication there and what they're planting the seed in our brains as, as future lawyers, litigators, leaders, I hate that term, politicians, elected representatives, and that is that only one government matters. The supreme government, the sociopaths, I beg your pardon, the leaders over in Washington, D.C. And what, what we have come to accept now, because you go on and watch the mainstream media and they, and they parade these clowns like Alan Dershowitz, who tells you the federal government can plunge a needle into your arm and give you a vaccination if there is an emergency they deem sufficient. Nowhere did we ever have a discussion, did I ever bring up, well, the states should probably decide them for, for themselves and communities based on what their needs and unique demographic, geographical situations might be. No, all federal government, all mandate for everybody. Guess what score I got on that test, that question? 100%. I got every point available and I was dead freaking wrong. We are rewarded time and time again for screwing it up, but people keep turning to the Constitution so we can get our freedoms back. It is, it is absolutely not going to solve any problems until we start. And I, I, my belief is it's too late. The problem is at least now we can have an adult conversation by learning on our own, getting outside the educational system. Mm -hmm. I got my law degree, but I didn't understand constitutional history until I started, you know, following guys like you, Kevin Gutzman, reading these other articles, Dave Benner, great source on this history, the 10th Amendment Center. Get away from what you get in the government sanctioned schools. Go ahead, Joe. Well, yeah, government sanctioned <laughs> schools. Don't don't ever call them public schools or charter schools. They're Government schools, that's one of the planks of communism. Karl Marx knew that if you could get the government in charge of educating children, then you could own the future. And then they do. There's, it's nigh on impossible. But I'll tell you something that gives me a little bit of hope. When you read, I think it's up here somewhere. Yeah, there it is. Algernon Sidney's uh, Discourses Concerning Government, which our founding fathers loved to death. If you read his story, he tells you, how, how were the Romans able to get rid of the kings, the Tarquins? And he said, because there were these young men, Coriolanus, Brutus, who grew up, in his words, hid and unregarded. They were in not well-known families, 
They grew up at home being taught by their families virtue and valor. And when they reached the age of manhood, Sydney says, they demonstrated such power and an ability to restore liberty that from age, from then on, we've all looked up to them. And that's what I think is going to happen today, Suzanne. You say there's no hope. I say the sliver of hope I find is the kids that are being taught, hid and unregarded, who when they reach the age to rise up and defend their liberty, they will do so. They won't defend a constitution. They will defend liberty that they feel and have been taught at home, at home, is their inheritance from God. When they get to that place, then I think we have hope. But it has, there, it is impossible for any government school to ever produce a person who will know enough and feel enough to ever stand up and forcibly uh, disgorge our liberty from the plutocrats who have it today. We must have these young men and young women who are hid and unregarded and who will rise up and who will restore liberty and they will do it because they've been taught at home. They've been taught by me, and I don't mean because of me, I just mean we have the opportunity. When I teach a kid about the Constitution, for example, I teach them for Article One, uh, all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress. I define every one of those words as the founders understood them, and I use Emmer Devadel, who the founders loved, and he had the rules for interpreting ancient uh, treaties and ancient compacts. Well, the word Congress, uh, look at Edmund, Brist Edmund uh, Burke's statement to the electors of Bristol. Just Google it. Edmund Burke, electors of Bristol, read what he says. Congress is a collection of ambassadors from separate sovereignties who meet together to discuss things that affect all of them jointly, but they all are there and they zealously represent their sovereignty. Our fathers were British. They could have called our legislative body parliament. They didn't, and they didn't do it for a purpose. But do you think you're ever going to be taught why our legislative body for the for the confederation why it was called congress and not parliament you didn't be taught that in school no because then you might realize hey wait a minute why is the u in united states lowercase why is it do, why do the founders always use a plural verb why did jefferson in the declaration say these states are on equal footing with the state of Great Britain. Why a Congress? Because there are 13 separate republics who come together for a few common uh, purposes, right? None of that gets taught No, in, and in government school. Because now, uh, and I said this yesterday, national, again, sorry about the N-word, <clears throat> intervention, takeover of the department of the department of education schooling from every level i said you know that is the reason we are having this discourse right now this ignorance the absolute misunderstanding we have history completely backwards it is poetic justice now that they are on the one hand i want to say the victim of their own farming of ignorance but on the other hand they're actually benefiting from it because the more discourse, the more violence, the more of these chop uh, issues we have, the more people are calling for federal intervention, federal ban on flag burning. We did a show about that. So, you know, are they the victim or are they the beneficiary or a combination of both? You also talked about value and virtue. You're not going to be taught that in the government schools. You're going to be taught about anal sex. You're going to be talked about homosexuality. You're going to be taught about all sorts of other um, 
things that children have no business being exposed to at that time of their lives. And then you're also taught to worship symbols over principles. We talked about the parchment. We talked about the flag. I saw today a quote. Someone said, I fought for that flag. If you fought for that flag and not for the freedom it's supposed to represent, I am so sorry to tell you this, but you wasted your time. And the flag means nothing if you didn't fight for the principles the flag is supposed to stand for. Well, I'll tell you, in the school where I taught, the charter school, now that sounds like hypocrisy, but I did it cleverly to take the tyrant's money to topple the tyrant. Mm -hmm. And I did that. I I taught several hundred kids who today, I guarantee you, uh, are raising some hid and unregarded, or very soon will raise some hid and unregarded kids that will stand up for liberty. But uh, from the first day, every morning we were supposed to stand up and, and recite the Pledge of Allegiance with your mm -hmm. hand on your heart. <laughs> looking at the flag. From the first day, I would have a student come up to me and say, um, Dr. Warburton, I noticed that um, you didn't say things in the pledge. And I'm like, because I don't believe them. And, well, why don't you believe it? And I said, well, let's, let's look at history and see if what we're being told, let's look and see who wrote it. And these kids would come to me and say, um, I'm in a lot of trouble because I told my mom what you said. And she said that, patriots and conservatives and Christians, we say the Pledge of Allegiance. And I said, well, that's all right. You can do what your mom says. I would prefer you do what your mom says. But I would say you going forward, teach your kids something different. Say, who wrote it? And are we one nation indivisible? <clears throat> would Jefferson, I, you know, as I always said, what would, what would Jefferson do, right? WWJD. Would Jefferson have said the Pledge of Allegiance? No, no, there's no way. I mentioned the Abbeville Institute or, uh, earlier. There's a great piece that uh, James Rutledge Rush wrote it called Bellamy's Pledge. And I love the line that he oh, yeah. has in there. If George Washington heard those words in the pledge, he would not have put his hands on his heart. He would have drawn his sword. And uh, some of the people that listen to the show, well, what's wrong with the pledge? I see no problem with it. Here's the problem with it. When you start talking about principles such as the uh, such as consent of the governed, that is what the Pledge of Allegiance is repudiating outright. The fact that now the states have been uh, have been have had their sovereignty stolen from them, and that you keep fostering that illusion that we are one nation, indivisible, it's going to foreclose forever the process that could possibly give us some respite from this violence, this contention, the wars, the debt, all of the, the police state that we are dealing with, decentralization. It takes that possibility away forever. It is poisoning your mind. You wanna respect the flag and what it represents, go ahead. But why would you want to admit to knowing that we were fooled to keep the to keep the hoax going this friend said well what's the problem yeah we were all fooled then stop just stop if you know that it's a lie why do you continue to repeat it well to me the flag represents that's fine what it represents to you but to say i know the words are wrong i'm going to say it anyway because to the republic for which it stands tell me about that liberty and justice by the way suzanne yeah could, could either Joe, Suzanne, could either of you imagine Patrick Henry being told <laughs> he had to say the Pledge of Allegiance? Can you imagine the great orator? He would go on probably at least two hours, maybe a three-hour speech on how awful it is to be forced to recite a socialist pledge. And number two, he would say, who, who, what nation is this? What, one nation or what god? He'd be like, he'd be, well, he would be, he'd go, he'd be apoplectic. That's for sure. We, we know, we know what they would do because they fought an eight year war over that very concept. I've said time George and time the, again. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, George the third. And, and you had in parliament, you know, you had Charles Townsend, Champagne, Charlie say, well, we raised you up as children. And what did Isaac Barry say? Is that how you treat your children? You say you planted them there and raised them up. All you ever did is oppress them. You know, you're, they're not your children. You've never acted fatherly to them. 
I mean, that's how we get, you know, the town of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, right? John Wilkes and, and Isaac Barry. Nobody knows who Barry is today. Nobody knows the name. I, and if you say John Wilkes, they're like, I've had this, honestly, had students. I've had parents call me and say, please stop teaching that John Wilkes Booth is a hero. And I'm like, I don't think I've taught that. And they said, well, my students, my child said you did. John Wilkes was a, was a hero to our founding fathers. Not John Wilkes Booth, but John Wilkes Booth was named after John. But the point is, we know what they would have done. Because essentially, George III said, recite a declaration of, of uh, a, a uh, pledge of allegiance. That's what he did when he mailed the letter to them in February and said, look, I'm going to treat you kindly if you quit meeting and quit saying these, these rebellious things. So all you have to do is pledge allegiance to your king, and it's all good. And they started stacking bodies. So, You know, one thing I, I like to say is, had the communication abilities been then what they are now, I think there would have been a mass exodus of the states that were in the Union after the Whiskey Rebellion when they saw what was going to happen if you have the temerity to question attacks that we know is punitive in nature between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists or the Industrialists and the Agrarians. We know that it was punitive and it singled them out. And uh, we know that there were other attempts to leave the Union that are completely hidden from history couple times now with the acquisition of the Louisiana Purchase, with the um, annexation of, of Texas, New Englanders said, we're out of here. But nobody talks about that. No, secession, secession, that was a Southern thing. Only racists were doing it. And uh, and Lincoln settled that one once and for all. So well, uh, and, and just to kind of put the uh, cap on the on the uh, Abrahamist Magnus, uh, don't forget that the very first federal Department of Education was started by Abraham Lincoln, as was the income tax. You're welcome, America. I always have to snicker when I see the 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 political experts on social media like to blame the Democrats for everything. And I said, um, oh my you know, gosh. you know, the GOP is the one that dis that dismantled this whole constitutional republic you are supporting, it's gone thanks to your party. Please stop blaming the Democrats and please stop saying right now that there's really any significant meaningful deal or distance or difference between the two parties. We're gonna have to wrap it up. Joe, can you please tell everybody where they can follow you and how they can get your book? Yeah, on Instagram, Teacher of Liberty, that's where I'm most, and Facebook, Teacher of Liberty. Um, the book is at Amazon, What Degree of Madness. It's by Shotwell Press, speaking of uh, the Abbeville Institute, published by Shotwell. Um, and you can look at the website, teacheroflibertycom and please do. And I've got my Founders Recipe uh, course there that teaches about the 37 people most often quoted by the founders who nobody knows today. But uh, when you know them, the Constitution and the Declaration suddenly make a lot more sense than they do uh, after your 12 years of indoctrination. Yeah, I want to uh, highlight again a couple of the organizations we've mentioned today. Shotwell Publishing, get those books while you can. Yeah, Support yeah, that true. publishing company. We're seeing Amazon's wanting to take off books like the Kennedy Brothers, Lincoln's Marxist, mm -hmm. what, uh, The South Was Right. They're going to be banishing those from Amazon. Sure. You know, shadow banning taking these off of the platforms where you can purchase books online is a modern day version. It's the 21st century version of book burning. So support um, Shotwell Publishing, the Abbeville Institute, they really need it. You can go and play videos on, on YouTube. You can listen to them, Mises. Guess what you don't hear on those ads? They have been demonetized. So do them a favor, mm -hmm. support them and go over there. Well, I, just speaking of YouTube, yeah. If you go on uh, Teacher of Liberty, that's what I would say for people that don't really know a lot and they're listening like, what is this dude talking about? If you go on my YouTube channel, Teacher of Liberty, there's videos there that uh, will make for some really interesting dinner conversations. Yes, I will uh, actually subscribe to that channel myself. So, all right, everybody, we're going to wrap up the show. Jeff, do you have any closing comments? Nope. <laughs> all right. On behalf of Jeff Johnson, Joe Wolverton and myself, I'm Suzanne Sherman. This has been the Wasatch Report. 
I hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell your friends, rate the app, share, make this go nationwide. <laughs> Oops, pardon my French. Make it go Confederacy. <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for listening.